Hello everyone and welcome to episode 341 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well, doing well, recovered. No, I'm not recovering from any preview season. We're just like straight <laughs> in the middle of like two preview seasons. Why not? Uh, yeah. Uh, spoilers. They they just keep coming. Spoilers into spoilers. And we got new cards to talk about this week for our new post-rotation standard set, Innistrad Midnight Hunt. That's one of our big topics for today. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. What's up today, Krim? Morning, Seth. Uh... <laughs> Like Richard had mentioned, and like the oh wise, wise philosopher uh, known as Smash Mouth would always say, they don't stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that song was definitely about spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> they were dead yeah. on. <laughs> that's, that's the whole reason why All Star was written. <laughs> well, uh, we do have spoilers to talk about, and talk about them we shall. Uh, we had an early sneak peek spoiler day, and Wizard spoiled like seven cards and the basic lands, but... All the cards are kind of insane, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, in the Stride Midnight Hunt spoilers, topic number one, we want to talk a little bit about the pacing of spoilers. There was an interesting article by Jim Davis this week talking about things that could kill magic, one of magic players' favorite topics, and one of the things he brought up was product fatigue, and that combined with our constant stream of spoilers in secret layers seems like an interesting topic, so we want to talk about that a bit, and then, of course, answer your fish mail questions, so that's the plan for today, but before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and Card Conduit, you've probably heard about them from us before, they're a great way to sell your magic collection, and they're offering a new service that's geared towards selling smaller batches of valuable cards with a reduced service fee. With their curated shipment service, you can sell cards at the best available buy list price with only a 5% fee. And as with all of Card Conduit services, you don't got to sort your cards, you don't got to grade them. You can just safely package them up, ship them out, and you'll even get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list up to 150 cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get a 10% discount by heading over to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thank you so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And uh, let's talk some Innistrad Midnight Hunt. So there was a sneak peek wizard stream, uh, kind of by surprise last week, showing off the new set, official spoilers, end of the month, set release, end of September in paper, beginning of September in digital, but they showed off seven new cards and they kind of blew me away. Like I am just shocked at the cards that we're seeing in this set. So let's start with spoilers and talk about these new cards. Richard, guide us through some Innistrad Midnight Hunt. All right, Innistrad Midnight Hunt previews. Um, yeah, you can find them MTG previews. We've already removed the jumpstart. Forget jumpstart historic. That didn't happen. Uh, we got the full set last week, by the way. So if you're curious about that, you can, uh, you can check that out. But we're already on to the next standard set. First up, uh, Mythic Green Planeswalker specialty for Krim. We have Ren and Seven. Three green green, so five mana value, five starting loyalty. Legendary Planeswalker Ren has four abilities. Plus one, reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all lands revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. 
zero, put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Minus three, create a green tree folk creature token with reach and this creature's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Minus eight, return all permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. You get an emblem with, you have no maximum hand size. <laughs> Oh boy. I, I thought this I thought this was a meme at first. Uh, this seems like a custom card joke that you would uh, see on Reddit or something, Ren and Seven. But apparently it's like a real flavor thing. And Ren like has these host trees that he goes to. And in Modern Horizons, he was on the sixth one. And now he's on the seventh one or something like that. So apparently it's not a joke. I, I At first, I thought this was a meme card. The card itself, though. It's kind of insane. Like, this seems like a really powerful card. It is five mana, so I don't think it's going to be broken like Oko or anything like that. But all of the abilities are relevant. The Tree Folk token that it makes, assuming we don't have like a Brazen Borrower type card to really punish, uh, you know, tokens in the format, is actually huge. Like, I looked for creatures that have power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control, and those are usually like five, six, seven mana Beanstalk Giant style creatures. So that token is huge and really valuable. It generates card advantage, it protects itself, and then the ultimate doesn't really win the game, but if you're drawing, you know, five or 10 cards from your graveyard, hopefully that actually does win the game. So great for like landfall style decks, but I think this card might be good enough that you can just play it as like a generic green planeswalker, like Vivian or something, where it's just like, eh, I got a couple slots left, might as well throw Ren and Seven into the deck. I think it does enough that you don't even have to really be built around its synergies for it to be playable. I, I, I despise this card. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like Nissa despise or just normal green card despise? Norm, normal green card <laughs> despise. This doesn't look like Nissa broken yet. Uh, we'll see what else comes out with the set. But right now, I, I, I much like Seth thought this was a fake card. I, I legit thought this was like a troll card by like Reddit or something like that. But I do think that the card is powerful. And yeah, no, no brazen borrower. So that token's gonna be pretty beefy. Uh, and now maybe what's that? What's that card from Strixhaven? Body of Mind. Oh Ooh, yeah, yes. So, that, that actually works really well with Renin Six. Just make all the big things and hope seven, for the best. That actually seven, sounds like a sweet dad. Renin yeah. Seven. You get seven. You count next that it'll be eight. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I know. I mean, th this this card does seem very very powerful. Um, so I I don't know exactly what it looks like in the new meta. Um, but as of right now, I mean, there's nothing like a brazen bar to kill the token. No super duper uh hyper efficient way to dunk planeswalkers right now is there what, what's the planeswalker removal looking like e2 extinction is left uh yeah losing like murderous rider of Mur course yeah. um i think there's a bunch of like damage based red removal spells that can kind of like fight planeswalkers or, or burn yeah stuff like that but i i don't know if there's much outside of e2 extinction that's just like hard you know hard removal for a planeswalker Right, like so, like what? There's only like blood snow, and that's six mana. I'm not really sure what the planeswalker removal is. Maybe it's slipping my mind right now. But uh, yeah, does if if this is the case, then maybe planeswalkers are kind of good again. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as a is a home, this seems insane in landfall decks, and I actually think landfall 
might be one of the decks that gets a lot better. There's some really strong landfall cards from Zendikar. You probably remember when Zendikar Rising first came out and like it dominated with Omnath and then it kind of faded away. But stuff like Lotus Cobra or even like Scoot Swarm becomes a lot more exciting without Bone Crusher Giant running around. And this seems built for a landfall deck. Like plus <sighs> to hit your land drops, to trigger landfall, zero to put a bunch of lands into play all at once and get a ton of landfall triggers. And then also, you know, making big tokens or whatever. But I think that's the most obvious home is like you ramp into this with Lotus Cobra and then this just supports all your landfall payoffs. So I think that could be maybe the best home for it immediately in standard. Yeah. Uh, I kind of forgot that f- car, like that entire archetype and that set still exists. So I, <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> and Blood Chief's Thirst is going to be currently one of the uh, Planeswalker answers. I think this card is so good that you don't care about really any of the abilities of the plus abilities that you don't care about landfall, right? Like you just poop out a 4-4 if you ramped a 5-5 with reach, which pretty much blocks everything, right? Like Goldspan, Dragon, whatever, right? Doesn't matter. And you just plus, doesn't matter what the plus actually is, but in this case, it's actually insane because you get to fuel your graveyard for some reason. Uh, But you get lands, you get to fuel your graveyard, and then you just poop out another token and your tokens get bigger as the game progress. Uh, they're very hard to attack through, like flyers don't get through them. Uh, so I don't think you actually need landfall. I think this is just good enough in a generic vacuum that you would play it. Uh, it's like very resilient. It creates big creatures. It defends against flyers. Uh, and you just you just do green things. You just make some tokens and beat them down and they can't handle it right so i actually think this is really strong and if you have any landfall synergies it gets better but i don't think you even need them shutting down goldspan is huge like uh, if there's one thing we've learned from standard 2022 it's that goldspan's probably the number one threat heading into post-rotation standard and reach seems like an incidental like throwaway ability but in a world of goldspan and all the other dragons from like adventures in the forgotten realms that actually seems like a huge up side for Ren and Seven. What about outside of standard? Is five mana just a deal breaker for formats like modern or is there a chance it could show up there too? <laughs> I don't think this is going outside of uh, standard. Yeah. Is, is Tron going to play this? How are you going to get the five <laughs> mana? <laughs> like five yeah. mana is a lot. It better win the game on the spot, which it doesn't. Oh. And it does oh. not. And then you have fatal pushes that kill the token. So yeah, yeah. probably, and, probably and not Brazen Borrower hasn't left uh, modern. So <laughs> I, I do have a question for Richard about this card though. Is Strangle, Strangle Root, Root Geist better? Yes. Cause I could cast it in modern. <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. All right. But I, I think this is very good, though. This card is very good. Whereas I think Red and Six is situationally good. But I think this card, like for sta- in the context of standards, is really good. Red and Six is situationally good in modern. Um, you still haven't come around on Ren and Six, have you, Richard? No. It's been like two years. I figured you, uh, sooner or later you would come around to its power. It, it's but good still not yet. in certain contexts. When you can, when the minus one is relevant, it's good. When the minus one is not relevant, it's useless, right? So when the meta is full of minus ones, uh, you know, that, then it's really good. But when it's not, like you play anything over it. Uh, we'll see how Ren and eight will stack up to uh, this, or maybe we go backwards. Maybe we go Ren and five. Maybe Ren and five will be Stranger Root Geist. <laughs> <laughs> the Without origin the set, it just runs no. around the haste. <laughs> 
when we return to like what is it mtg origins that's when we're gonna find ren and one uh all right next up we have uh a one drop zombie champion of the perished so champion of the perished Uh, it's a creature zombie it's a rare it's a one one whenever another zombie enters a battlefield under your control put a plus one plus one counter on champion of the perished i love this card i think this card is the probably flavor-wise, hilariously awesome as Champion of the Parish from Innistrad uh, has now come back <laughs> as a zombie uh, card. And I think it's been a while since we've had some zombie support, and I am excited. And of course, almost not really surprised at all that Innistrad has zombie support uh, because, yeah, we, we've got a few a few zombie cards already, right? Like Accelerac or whatever from the D&D set. Uh, we've got a bunch of other zombies li- lying around and none of them are really all that good yet because there's no support for it. But maybe Innistrad changes that and this is a start. Yeah, I think for standard, I mean, this card's insane. This card's super insane. I actually think Champion of the Parish might be better as a zombie. Like, I think the tribe might support it better than humans support the effect. As far as standard, I'm kind of like wait and see mode. Uh, Innistrad does tend to have zombie themes, so I could certainly see it making it in standard based on uh, what we get in both of the Innistrad sets. Although, currently, I don't know, the zombies that are going to be in standard from the other sets that aren't rotating are kind of meh-ish, like not super exciting. Uh, there's not like a real lord. I think there's one of uncommon four mana one for zombies and skeletons, but the, uh, the so snow I feel one. like the blue black zombies. I guess this, yeah, okay. Okay, the snow one could actually be decent. I guess that that could be a possibility. King so Narfi, I feel like there's... we need we need more zombies to actually make it good in standard. On the other hand, in modern, maybe even in legacy, I think this card is going to be huge like i think this card makes zombies into a real modern deck it might actually make it into a a legacy deck even but i think it's like incredibly powerful with the cards that zombies in modern already want to be playing like most of the zombie decks in modern you're kind of like getting value out of like goblin bombardment or like sacrificing grave crawler repeatedly or giraffe's messenger these sacrifice type synergies and that's zombies entering the battlefield like crazy like one of the ways zombies wins is just sacking Gravecrawler to Carrion Feeder and keep recasting the Gravecrawler to make your Carrion Feeder huge, triggering other stuff along the way. Champion of the Paris just sits out as you're doing all your typical zombie shenanigans, and suddenly it's going to be a 10-10 for one or something. Like, it's going to get big so quickly. So I'm definitely very much looking forward to what this card's going to do in uh, in non-standard formats. Maybe it makes it in standard, which would be sweet, but in modern and older formats, I think this card is a really big deal. I also have a very, I have a good feeling about zombies in historic. They, they're kind of a meme right now, but you have Crypt Breaker, you'll have this. Uh, you don't have Gravecrawler, but that's fine. And you have, you know, your, your lords out of the Amonkhet and then Diagraph Colossus is coming in from Jumpstart. So, uh, I do, I do think historic is going to have a real zombie deck. Yeah. I really like this card. I, must admit, I have tried turning my Cauldra Blade deck into a zombie deck at times, where I'm like, 
Hmm. <laughs> I'm already running Charles Messenger. Uh, what if I put some grave crawlers in? And like, what if I just add like, you know, what if all the non, you know, stone forged mystic creatures are zombies? And uh, it didn't really work out, but it could be a thing. The the problem is you need two drop zombies. They they kind of all suck. There's nothing like very good. But maybe champion of the parish is your two drop zombie you just play more one drops that get big and call it a day uh but yeah i'm excited to see if zombies has enough if we just get another like op mythic or rare zombie card uh it might be enough to make it into a legit deck uh flavor flavor pun up or down i was kind of surprised like it's it's been a little controversial when the card was uh was spoiled some people think that the champion of the parish like pun is hilarious other people were uh, kind of booing and like oh what a you know cheesy pun where where do you come down on on the name and the flavor i love it this is amazing <laughs> i don't even <laughs> It's great. It's not enforced. It's not like this card makes no sense. Like if you didn't know about the other card, this name would be perfectly fine, right? Like th there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't know why people are complaining. I I like it too. I think it's hilarious, and it and, and it does fit. Like you could have a card champion of the parish and without any reference, and it would still work. And the abilities with Vez. So I think it, it's a super like sweet nostalgic callback. And that's one thing we've seen through the bit of spoilers uh, that we've gotten so far is Wizard said they're they're going back to the basics for Innis. They're going back to 20, 2011, 10 years ago. Oh, my goodness. We've been doing this for a long time, guys. You're going back to um, 2021 magic? Yes. <laughs> we're, we're, going, we're going back to 2021, but they're going back to, like, the original flavor in the gothic horror, which makes me even more excited for oh. these Innistrad sets. Do not even get me started on how much I love the gothic look of this set and the horror movie themes, like how you look at Ren and Seven and it looks like, you know, fall, uh, like autumn, all that stuff, the lands, everything. And there, some of this stuff also has like horror movie vibes, like movies that I've seen. So definitely love it. Yeah, I feel they've learned, right? They've learned from like Zendikar and uh, Battle for Zendikar and Shadows of Innistrad, where if you say you're going to return to a plane, you can't just throw like Eldrazi on it and make it feel like an Eldrazi set. The people are like, why are we on well, this plane? It doesn't feel like the plane at all. Like, what are we even doing here, right? So they've learned unless they drop like some Praetors here for some reason, which uh, at least Praetors are on theme, I guess, kind of, right? Uh, maybe, <laughs> but you know, how I, I don't do you know, know right? that, Richard? I'm just <laughs> because Emrakul could still be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. Actually, actually, Mark Rosewater confirmed no Eldrazi in either set. So, yeah, but what if oh, Emrakul isn't an Eldrazi? What if Emrakul <laughs> is Ren and Seven? Oh, what's the Ren, theory? Ren, Ren and Eldrazi. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ren, Ren and Eldrazi. I mean, look, <laughs> what was that theory uh, a while back? Like uh, the Wanderer was Emrakul. Like this. This is <laughs> Ren, Ren is Emrakul. We figured yeah. we cracked it. <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Triska Decafile. Two mana value, one in a blue. It's a one-three human wizard at rare. You have no maximum hand size. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly 13 cards in your hand, you win the game. Three and a blue draw a card. I, I think this card this, is actually good. I think this card got power crept. <laughs> you think it's good? You think it's good in uh, in standard? 
I think it's yeah. obviously good in Commander. Like, you think it's standard playable? Uh, Interesting. Well, I, I, I think it's really good in Commander. Uh, like, like oh, amazing yeah. in Commander. Um, but I also think in Standard, there's enough things to, like, potentially just get you to perfectly 13 cards. And it itself, having that activated ability, is quite nice. I mean, we saw Azure Mage be playable. That was apparently a long time ago and right. i sometimes think i was it actually playable <sighs> magic is standard it it did see standard play like azure mage was in like standard decks i think it was a sideboard card that would come in uh in control decks for certain matchups so it wasn't a stable but it was a card that people actually like played in tournaments that was 10 years ago is it fast enough i do like that it's a one three that makes it a little bit more resilient to uh early game removal like shock effects or bone crusher giant style effects which is thankfully rotating and it makes her a better blocker against aggro and there's probably ways to get to 13 cards in standard i think we're this really shines though is in commander, commander. Right? In commander it's a mana sink no max hand size is an effect people want anyway lots of reliquary towers in the it's format and it seems so easy to just like blue sun zenith on the end step before your turn and go up to 13 cards or sphinx's revelation or brain guys or any of those big x card draw spells and just win the game this might be the easiest alternate win condition to pull off in commander uh, outside of thassa's oracle and it's it's not thassa's oracle it's not that busted you still gotta wait to the upkeep but it might actually be second place i think as far as how easy it is to achieve this in commander yeah I, this, I and this is another alternate win condition for anala so before yeah. your upkeep you need 13 cards right so you need to fire off at end step you can't do it on your upkeep and then as the trigger resolves you need 13 cards uh, so, uh, you know, if, if there's a battle where you use, you expend cards from your hand, uh, it's not going to work, right? You need 13 cards exactly. So, and like, if you've drawn 13 cards, you probably won the game. Like, I don't know, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I should like, be living in, proof in the, that that's not In the not best true, case, Richard. you have seven already <laughs> and you draw six, right? But in the worst case, you have to draw fresh 13. <laughs> Either way, you're in a pretty good spot. Like, do you need this card? Like, do you play Azerbaijan in your commander decks? But yes, I I do actually. Uh, do you actually? I, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I don't. Won't. But in wizards and mono blue decks, yeah, and like and in whatnot. wizards where this has a lot of innate synergy, yeah. But like in a vacuum, like I don't know that you'd play this. Like Azerbaijan is I, the same thing, and like who cares? It's, it's very upgraded as her mage, though. Like, no max hand size, like, that is an upgrade. And then better stats is a bit of an upgrade. And as her mage is never going to accidentally win you the game. I do see what you're saying, though. It is true. Like, if you have, you know, 13 cards in hand, do you need a win condition? But I, I play so many, like, dirtily low power decks of, like, casting Muldrifters and Cloud Blazers. I think I actually do. Like, I imagine that there would be many games that I would win if I had this card in my deck that I wouldn't win otherwise because I'm just drawing more card draw spells. Like, this is this is your payoff for just casting all the card draw spells. It actually rewards you for doing that in a way that, uh, that wins the game potentially immediately. Uh, the counter thing is a bit of an issue. Maybe there's a way to work around that. Like, if you have a instant speed discard outlet, then you can, you know, drop to 15 or something. And if you got a force of will something, you still got the 13 cards. If not, you just discard, you know, a couple of cards. So maybe there's a way to work around it. But I actually think, like, even if it's not 
insane. What else is even close to being this easy as far as an alternate win condition? Like you have Thassa's Oracle. What else? Like none of the other ones see play. They're like super ultra janky. Like it, it, compared to the rest of the field, I still think even if this isn't busted, it's still like better than the other options or easier than the other options. Eh. Fellow deer guard. No, what is the one? Fellow deer sovereign. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Yeah, gonna, I, I it's six saying, mana, but, but yeah, I, I feel this is a trap. Most players will put this in. Uh, they'll very rarely win with this trigger, and you probably won't even use the four mana draw card. Right? You probably have better things to do with your mana, so it'll just get removed and swept up at some point. Um, but <laughs> it could work. It well, could work in like a thirteen I, deck, I mean, right? When I, you have I other thirteen you, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, put this in my commander deck. <laughs> it's gonna happen on commander. I mean, it'll be really good in wizards. I think it'll be really good in wizards, but outside yeah. of wizards. <laughs> and flavor, flavor again, awesome. Like another callback to old Innistrad, the uh, motif of the number 13, Triskaidekaphobia. So another just like nostalgia flavor hit for me. There's gotta be a card where you need 13 of everything. 13 cards in hand, 13 like permanents on the battlefield, 13 life, and then like you win the next 10 games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you just win the tournament. You win the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Pro Tour champion. <laughs> I'm 10 and 0. Uh, all right, next up we have Infernal Grasp. One in a black. Two mana value, yes. instant uncommon, destroy target creature, you lose two life. Yes, God, yes, I love this card. It is, I'm probably going to lose to that, you lose two life more often than not. But the thing here is, I, Infernal Grasp is an absurd Doom Blade, right? It has no restriction. It doesn't care if it's an artifact. It's just at the cost of two life. Now, there are ways to gain life back. So maybe cards like Cling to Dust will get really even just so much more important than it ever was. Uh, but like, yeah, like that, this is the removal spell. Yeah, I, I think that Infernal Grasp is the best Doom Blade we've ever seen. We've seen like the the terror slash doomblade power creep where in the early days they couldn't hit black or artifact creatures then it was doomblade it could only not hit black creatures then we had like go for the throw everything but artifacts most recently heartless summoning pretty good anything but counters and this is the first two mana black removal spell we've seen that's just straight up kill anything for two mana at instant speed sure you lose two life i don't think that's a deal breaker i think if you're playing heartless act or in older formats a lesser version of this or even in Commander, where you have 40 life and losing 2 life is not a big deal. This is a premium removal spell. Like, this is the best version of this effect that they've ever printed, in my opinion. Like, I think this beats out all the other options, and it'll see a ton of play in Standard. And I think uh, Heartless Act sees a lot of play in Historic and Pioneer, and a tiny bit in Modern. I think this just replaces it in most of those decks. I mean, yeah. what, what are the other ones up for? Go for the Throat. Heartless Terminate. Act. Terminates two colors. Yeah, it'd be two colors. What's the vampire yeah. one? Like the double black oh, can't kill. Uh, victim, victim of the night. Victim, victim of, of the night. night. Like that's kind of your dismember, maybe. Like it's up there, right? Like for two mana removal, like this is one of the best ones. So, I do yeah. worry about it in modern. Because you are already at a very low health total. I don't I mean, know how I much. You have so much removal in modern that you don't really need it. But at the same time, yeah. a lot of decks win by just having like six CMC creatures. And they're like, huh, nice fatal push and lightning bolt. And you just like <laughs> run rampant with like your stupid like six mana five five or something, right? So this actually, 
gets around that, but two life is a lot in modern. I mean, I think if it's a format where the next best option, probably Heartless Act, let's say, doesn't really see play, then this is less appealing. I don't think like this is going to become a modern or legacy staple just because in general, like two mana removal isn't like staple level cards anymore. Uh, but I do think if uh, in other formats where that effect is a, like staple and it sees playing a ton of decks, then I think this just replaces the other options for the most part. I really dislike this card, by the way. Uh, we, we've hinted at it, but this Ooh. just means your creatures have to be insane, right? <laughs> and we know what that means, right? We've seen Eldraine, right? Like, your creatures will come with ATBs and, like, they'll be super resistant to removal because anyone can just fire off two mana removal. Why play a five drop that dies and does nothing? It must do, like, 800 things as it enters the battlefield. Uh, so, this I, having this powerful we're due removal... For I feel like we're due for an overcorrection, though. We've had a bunch of sets where, like, the threats beat the answers. Maybe we're going to have a, a standard where the answers beat the threats. Like, that would be something different that we haven't seen in a while. I don't think we'd ever have that. Would we ever have that? Like, you would make no progress. Ooh. Everyone would be playing Drago, <laughs> like, empty boards, and someone bills out, right? That sounds like Krim's uh, dream format. <laughs> I, lo I love that format, so I don't... I, I mean, I hope we get Nefalia Drown Yard back, okay, so. Uh, all right, next up, we have Join the Dance, a Selesnia card, green and white, two mana value, sorcery, create two human creature uh, tokens, flashback for five, three green and a white. So two mana, I guess, sorcery raise the alarm with flashback for five. So first off, this is one of the artworks that I thought was pretty cool. It had very Midsummer vibes, uh, if you've seen that horror movie from A24. Uh, and then on top of that, this means flashback is, well, back. And I am really excited for that because that was a pretty cool mechanic. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Joining the Dance is decent. Like, we see cards like Raise the Alarm, Sea Play, uh, Gather the Townsfolk back from original Innistrad or Dark Ascension, Saw Play. So, two tokens for two mana is a pretty big, uh, a, a pretty playable effect. Like, sure, you gotta be a token deck. You're not gonna slam in every deck. The tokens are humans. Innistrad usually has a human theme. So, maybe we get, you know, some human payoffs that make it even better. But the most interesting part is, and I didn't even realize this till Wizards mentioned on their stream they have never made multicolor flashback cards in the game's history this is the first set where they've done multicolor flashback so even though this card i think is it's good at what it does but it's nothing earth shattering i think that multicolor flashback probably opens up some interesting design possibilities that we haven't seen before because multicolor cards tend to be pushed a little more wizards tend to think like oh you got to pay two colors so we can make them more powerful so maybe we see some really strong flashback stuff in the set combos with red and seven plus one <laughs> goes to your graveyard with all your ample lands flash it back um the flashback is a lot though it's like five right five is not i mean yeah. that's what you pay for season pyromancer and you're happy about it uh but yeah, that's true the, the token thing will depend if we have the support cards typically we have some like insane cards to support tokens when they're viable uh things like gideon things like the, the three mana Nyssa going back to Gaviny Township on the first way around. So two mana make two humans is okay, but you really do need the support cards to, to pump it up. Uh, next up, 
we have a mono red card, play with fire, a single red instant at uncommon, deal two damage to any target. If a player was dealt damage this way, scry one. I mean, what Inferno Grasp is to Doom Blades, this card is to, to Shocks, basically. It's just the best Shock that they've ever made in Shock. I see his play back to what? Pioneer? Burn, I think, yeah. plays it. Historic, Wait, uh, standard, obviously. Pioneer? Oh, jeez. Well, they play <laughs> Wild Slash or whatever, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. does prevent damage. Uh, for, or, it stops damage from being prevented. Uh, this does look really good though like having the ability to scry after sending it upstairs seems kind of absurd yeah i mean it does everything shock does and then more so if you're playing shock in your historic deck or whatever a standard deck like you just play this instead because it's actually just strictly better yeah 100 percent. i mean it's better than shock but it's like still shock right like okay you have <laughs> lightning bolts if you care about older formats and then you also have bone crusher giant which technically is not a shock. It costs two, but it's a shock for one more mana and a 4-3 body afterwards. So it's it's okay. It's like an upgraded shock, but we've had better, well, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. If, if you play shock, though, much like Seth mentioned, you, there's just no reason to play it anymore because play with fire is better. Do we think this is standard yeah, playable? Think... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, shock, oh, yeah. shock sees a decent amount of standard play. I think it depends on the meta, but right yeah. now, Shoxy standard play in mono red, in is it tempo, in various like red aggro style decks. So if Shock is playable, as long as there's a deck to support it, which there probably will be, then this is even more playable. Although I do agree with what you're saying, Richard. Adding Scry to Shock doesn't make it like modern playable or legacy playable. It's still two damage for one mana, but that's good enough for several formats but not modern or not legacy in specific but it's definitely good enough for standard and historic and maybe a little bit in pioneer all right uh next up we have consider a single blue <laughs> mana one mana value instant look at the top card of your library you may put that card into your graveyard draw a card so surveil Surver one. surveil without the keyword surveil yeah. opt basically and then draw a card this has to be better than opt right like i mean oh, oftentimes yeah. like I, I think this goes back into modern because you will gladly throw a card into your graveyard this yep. this is just an amazing one drop spell We've talked about a lot of good cards today. This is the card that I would say we'll see the most play out of the cards we've talked about. I think this is an immediate four of from standard all the way back to modern. There's already decks like uh, there's Snapcaster control decks there's storm decks that are already playing four ops all the way back to modern. And the same is true in pioneer spell style decks, Phoenix style decks, various control decks in historic in standard opt is kind of like a key tank cran trip. There's a ton of decks that play opt in standard and putting a card in the graveyard is in like 99% of those decks in upside. Like that's an improvement. If you're playing Arclight Phoenix, you want cards in your graveyard or snapcaster you want cards in your graveyard so even though it's like a small upgrade it's a really meaningful upgrade so i think this is just a, a staple level cantrip all the way back to modern uh, gonna see a ton of play probably replacing opt in a lot of decks or maybe even alongside opt in some decks i mean we i know that this set it's an old one uh how long has it been out now like maybe like half a month uh the D, &D set uh <laughs> <De> demolich <laughs> is actually in that set and this seems perfect 
right? Like you, you yeah. can pitch your demo lich and then that's already a spell you've cast it. So it'll cost one less. This will be into your yard uh, and it helps you get more demo liches in your yard. There, there's, it looks like they're already setting up for some kind of cheap, like blue red deck. Cause you'll have, you know, whatever new shock play with fire. You'll have this, you'll, you'll they'll have more than enough ways to get demo liches. Yeah, it definitely seems good with Demolishes. And maybe that makes Demolish into a thing in Standard. This card's it's it's really, really good. It's really good. I'm surprised they printed this. Like, a lot of times they nerf cards by not allowing them to dump into Graveyard. Uh, So, so far, we've already seen two cards that just dump directly into Graveyard. Uh, So I think that's going to have a lot of ramifications for older formats, like Modern Legacy, where uh, that is a a big positive. Um, Probably... Probably not like get pro broken, right? But I expect it to. I expect to see this in a lot of decks, uh, with the ability to just cantrip and then just dump cards into graveyard. So, question: I think that's all of our spoiler cards. So, question about these cards in general and what we've seen from Ministrad in general. It seems like every card we talked about was uh, good to great. Some of them being like the best version of what they are that has ever been printed, like consider for an opt or play with fire for a shock. What do you think about what this says of the power level of this set? We were a couple of weeks ago talking about how, you know, post rotation standards going to be powered down. We lose all the busted sets. Do you have any fear or concern that Innistrad is actually just going to be a super push set and it's going to keep Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and Strixhaven and Keldheim, all those sets that have been waiting for their chance to shine in standard, just keep them out of the format similarly to how Eldraine did. Like, is this just going to be a super high-powered set, the most powerful set that we have in standard after rotation? I, it, it looks like it will be the most like answer wise. It has some of the best answers. So uh, there has to be a reason for that. And it looks like it will be the most powerful set in standard. Do I think it'll lock out uh, all the other sets? No, because Eldraine, there is no other Eldraine. Uh, <laughs> I'll clip this. Someone clip this. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, yes, call, uh, called shot here. <laughs> called shot here. This ki- there's no way this could be more powerful than Eldraine. <laughs> like Eldraine, you would have to show me something better than Oko. You would have to show me something better than Once Upon a Time and all the things that come with it. This whole set, like Eldraine, is I I, I hope. There is no other set that is as powerful as Eldraine. So, and I just, just look by looking at these cards, I can already tell you that Doomblade doesn't come with a 4-3. So, like, <laughs> th- this is That's a, actually, that is a good point, actually. Yeah, that's a very good point. I am unscathed. I'm like, oh, whatever, sure. <laughs> so, so here's my counterpoint to you. You guys can start recording your top 10 modern cards today and be like half done without like <laughs> without any issue. We've yeah. talked about like seven cards and at least three have strong arguments for being played back to modern. Right. And if we were going like pioneer historic, then maybe you're up to like five. Right. The power level seems very strong. I would just throw away your Strixhaven and uh, (laughs) Ralph's Forgotten cards because I don't know that they're going to be high-powered enough. Maybe this is not Eldraine, but is it like post-nerf, post-nerf, post-nerf Eldraine? 
You know, like after the third round of bannings, is this a strong, <laughs> right? And I, I, it looks uh, pretty strong to me. Like, like Krim I mean, said, I if the answers are this strong, what are the threats, right? The threats have got to be scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, <laughs> the, other, the other possibility is they just previewed like the best cards in the set, which seems kind of like a long shot for a sneak peek <laughs> early access day that they would just like show off all the strongest cards but you never know with the with how wizards of spoilers these days weird weird things happen with spoilers so maybe this is just all the best cards they just had a top 10 list and read read them off for the sneak peek stream the other reason i think innistrad might dominate though is we're getting those two sets back to back like a month and a half apart and that means uh some of the synergies are theoretically going to carry over. Well, we're kind of going back to the two set block thing that we haven't had in a long time. So if there's, you know, flashback support or zombies or whatever, they're going to have two sets of Innistrad to help make that tribe or that deck good enough for standard when Strixhaven, Keldheim, they all only kind of get one. You only got one sets of giants or whatever. So they might be at a little disadvantage uh, just because there's more of Innistrad and uh, that means more support for the set's themes. But Hopefully it'll be fine. I, I don't think it's Eldrain. I'm not worried about it at this point, like breaking the format. But based on these early uh, spoilers, it does seem like it's going to be the most powerful set in standard. So I have a question for you, Seth. You follow the finance updates from Hasbro. Does the fall set, is it included in Q4 sales numbers? It must be, right? Uh, Yes, generally. Yeah. It depends on the exact release date. Uh, but in, I think that it can sometimes be the end of uh, Q3, actually, because of how the dates uh, break down. But yes, uh, in general, it is. Yeah, then I, I think this set will be super pushed to inflate sales. Because I, I was trying to think, like, why would they do this, right? They must know that the fall set is the set that stays in standard the longest, right? So if you want to print, like, broken cards, this is not the time to do it, right? Because it's going to sit in standard, like, basically forever, uh, but on the other side, if you want your Q4 numbers to look really good, right? You want your end of year numbers to look really good. Then this is the perfect time, right? This is when everyone like dumps their advertising money in and like tries to pump up the numbers in one last hurrah for the end of year numbers. And then in that sense, it makes a lot of sense to make this like super broken and super pushed. So I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to be super pushed. <laughs> I, I almost wonder if that's why there's two sets, too, and why they change the scheduling. Like, you know what'll drive up your bottom line at the end of the year? How about releasing two sets instead of just one? Like, that's a good way to, you know, have the numbers look good. So, anyway, so one, throw one away other AFR card set? <laughs> what is the answer? <laughs> I, I, no, I, I haven't even finished my away. pre order. Should I even bother with the pre orders? <laughs> I. I would not throw away my AFR cards. I'm sure yeah, I, I'm still very, for, I, I have very high hopes for a standard, but I do think that uh, what we're seeing so far out of Innistrad does suggest that the themes that it supports are probably going to be really good. And it, it does make me feel a little bit less confident that like giants or some of these other tribes that I was like, oh, it'll be cool rotation. They're probably going to be good. Now I'm thinking like, oh, it's it's probably going to be zombies and humans and whatever is going on in Innistrad because these cards just look so strong. But I think you still want to you're still going to need those cards. Hopefully they're still going to be pretty playable. I don't I don't think this set's going to invalidate those sets. You'll, you'll be fine. 
You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to clip this for my personal library. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you can all <laughs> definitely play it back for me when I'm complaining in a week. <laughs> it could be circle of loyalty. It could be it could be circle of loyalty. We never Look, know. <laughs> we if never there, know. If there's going to be a problematic card from this set, it's going to be in green. Okay. <laughs> I'm, call, I'm calling it now. There's going to be a green card that is going to drive me up a wall and it's going to be absurd. But I, I do think that a Forgotten Realms still has cards you're gonna want. Uh, what, what, there's no way Lolf doesn't get some love, and then I, I also think that Demolich is just looking to shape up to get more and more, uh, you know, more and more playables to go into that deck. Uh, of course, Ranger class is still big. All the class effects have have proven to be pretty powerful. So you're going to still want the Forgotten Realms stuff. And some of these cards help older themes. Like, uh, I know I was trying to build post-rotation, like, Magecraft-style decks. Prowess kind of, like, sling a bunch of spells and trigger your Magecraft stuff. And they just lack cheap spells. Like, that's there was no opt in the format. And I was like, man, it's really hard to build this Magecraft deck because I just don't have, like, cheap card draw or cheap removal spells. So things like Consider, like, I'm sure it's going to help with some graveyard theme from Innistrad. But that's also a key card if you want to build like a Strixhaven-based Magecraft aggro-style deck. Same with Play with Fire. So uh, I guess that's the good news. The, the cards that are really strong, like Inferno Grass, Play with Fire, Consider, those aren't cards for a specific deck or archetype. Those are just cards that are solid support cards for a whole bunch of uh, different archetypes. So hopefully their power will be like spread across decks rather than concentrated on like one busted archetype, which I think uh, I think that would uh, end up being a good thing. Uh, all right, one one other question for you about spoilers. Uh, this was our other topic before we get to fish mail. So uh, obviously we've been talking about Innistrad spoilers. Last week we were talking about Jumpstart Historic Horizon spoilers. Uh, my my story last week, Wednesday, we got the full set of Jumpstart Historic Horizons, and I was working on uh, my big like crafting review article and video, which is up on the site. You should check it out if you're interested in collecting Jumpstart Historic Horizons, if that's still a thing people care about anymore. Uh, but then, as I was working on that, the literally the day that spoiler season ended, Wizard like, hey, guess what? Tomorrow, Innistrad spoilers. And then, 24 hours hours later, we're into Innistrad. And before that, Jumpstart Historic Horizons came out very shortly after Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, like had a week or two. And then all of a sudden, like, hey, surprise, this 800 card set, we're spoiling it, like starting in a couple of days. And before that, it was Modern Horizons, a couple of weeks uh, before Adventures in Forgotten Realm. So spoilers are coming at an unprecedented pace. Like we have never seen, we've never seen this before. Like it, this is the fastest it's ever been. I know Jim Davis, over on uh, Cool Stuff Inc. wrote an article this week about stuff that could kill magic. And the first thing he mentioned was product fatigue and just spoiler fatigue and too many cards coming out too quickly, uh, ending up causing people to, to tune everything out, essentially. Uh, what do you think about the speed that we're going from set to set these days? Like, is it uh, is this constant stream of hype and starting a new spoiler season super early a day after the last spoiler season? Is it too much for the community? Do you like it uh, because you get to see new cards all the time? What are your feelings about just the rapidly increasing space of uh, pace of set releases and spoilers? OK, so if you ask me, like, is how does the community feel about it? I feel like us as enfranchised players, 
we'll probably be, you know, experience a product fatigue because we have our ear on the ground. We're always caught up on everything or trying to be, you know, and especially since we're making content for it to the average person. This is actually pretty cool. Um, and this is something I've actually asked a few, uh, people that have just started magic and I'm like, did you know this new sets out? And they're like, no, not really, but that's awesome. That's just more new cards. So to somebody that isn't all magic all the time, this is great, right? There's always something new for them to come back to, to get into. Uh, and I, I could totally see that point of view. However, do I personally like that? I mean, as I said, you know, doing content, this means that by the time I make videos, deck lists or anything right for a certain set, it's already invalid. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you think, Richard? I am still on Modern Horizons 2. I don't know about you guys. I'm not even done. With, like, and I, I look, right? It, Modern Horizons 2 released June 18th. That's just literally like two months ago. I haven't picked up my paper cards yet. I'm still exploring like commander cards from it. I don't know what happened with Realms Forgotten. I don't know what happened with Jumpstart. Like all these cards just went by. I don't have time to process them. I just like see the very top cards, right? Like the very ones that everyone's talking about. But I don't have a chance to look at like the underplayed stuff, right? Like the the kind of niche cards, right? You just don't have time for any of this. So I, I do think it's a real problem. And I do think that's what's leading to like homogenized formats and things like that like people just don't have time to explore uh you know like when you're a kid and like if you have just one toy you find like all kinds of ways to play with that one toy right like you use your imagination and like you just go nuts but if your parents are feeding you a new toy every day you just play with it superficially throw it up you know throw it away go on to the next one uh, I, I feel the first one is better, right? There, there's some medium between them, but I feel I don't like... I that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like exploring and, like, coming up with cards that, like, no one has thought of and, like, you know, like, doing that kind of thing. I barely have time to, like, put a cart together, like, ship, you know, order something before the next set is out. So it's, it's too much. Like, I we go through all the previews. Like, nothing sticks in my head anymore because, like, it's so fast... You're like, oh, is this removal good? I don't know, but we're going to get more removal in like two minutes. So, you know, on to the next one, right? Like, who cares, right? Like, keep going. It's, it's I, just I guess too much. I like that. Be I, I do I do like the idea of, I guess, <laughs> perpetually being in spoiler season. Uh, like, it is, it, it's something that I kind of like helps. I, I think it helps the fact that arena is now moving towards or magic has a digital client, right? We, we originally wanted new cards and all this other stuff. So now we're getting new cards and we're getting them a lot more often. And it's, I think it's partially th this increased rate is because now there's arena, which is a digital client and we experience metas so much faster. So as somebody who likes playing with new cards, I think this is like pretty chill. And the fact that arena is now digital or magic's digital uh, or has a ton of digital presence, this is great for streaming, but pre-recorded content, all that stuff, that's miserable. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I feel like from Wizards perspective, if you look at the last couple of months, what they're thinking is, okay, Modern Horizons, that's something for like modern and legacy players. No one else has to care about that. Standard players, arena players, they, they don't even have to look at the spoilers. And then you have Adventures of Forgotten Realms, which is kind of for everyone because it's in standard. Then you have this Historic Horizons, which, you know, if you're a modern player or a standard player or a, any non-arena historic player, you could just safely ignore it, pretend like it didn't even exist. And then you go to Innistrad and that's a set for everyone. So I think that's how Wizards is viewing it is like, there's so many products, not everyone should be paying attention to everything. And you need to, you need to learn just to ignore things and this pretend like certain sets don't even you. exist. The, so I think that's Wizards take, although, I don't know. I think that that's a hard, it's actually like a tough sell for a couple of reasons with one being that's not how magic usually or used to be like, uh, I was trained that you get four sets a year and maybe a supplemental product and you know, every spoiler season is a celebration and everyone, the community kind of comes together and it's this big thing. So the idea to me that like sets are being spoiled and you should just pretend like they don't exist is just so much different that it's, it's kind of hard to wrap my mind around. And the other thing is like, because commander is so big and it, discounting historic horizon since it's arena exclusive, every set is relevant to commander. I feel like that, uh, to some extent, pushes commander players to have to stay at least somewhat informed on every single set. I guess the good news is commander's a casual format, so if you skip some sets, like it's not like you're going to lose a tournament or whatever, but I think the incentive is there, so I think it could be a little bit more spaced out. Even like, for me, even if you had to release all these products... I don't see a reason why we had to start Innistrad spoilers three weeks early, the day after Historic Horizons came out. Like, there, I don't see what the, the real benefit of that is. Like, if you're not starting spoiler season until, like, the 23rd or the 30th, why did we have to have it, you know, the day after Jumpstart Historic Horizons? Why not, like, do something cool for the set you just finished spoiling and then start Innistrad spoilers a week or two later? So even if Wizards wants to release and needs to release products on this super fast schedule, I feel like at least you could space out the spoilers a little bit more and give sets a little time to breathe. Like there's some cool stuff I want to try to do in Historic Horizons. And it almost makes me a little sad because during Historic Horizons spoilers, I was like, oh, I want to build ninjas. I want to build the affinity deck. I want to build this. I want to build enchantress. But now I'm like, oh, it, am I even going to do that? Or all these ideas that I had just going to go to waste because it's we're on Danistrad already. Like is magic just like looking at spoilers? <laughs> is that what the game is now? You just look at the spoilers and think about what you would like to do with the cards, but then new spoilers come out and you never get to realize any of those ideas that you've had. So so I think the pacing, even with the current release schedule, could be uh, could be a little bit better. So that would be, I think, the easiest thing that I think maybe Wizards could, uh, could take and fix as far as spoilers, because the hype's there. And they, I can see an argument that giving people a chance to play with their cards a little bit for a week before jumping into the next spoiler season, uh, that might actually be a positive thing and keep the hype going rather than just jumping right into the next spoiler season as quickly as possible. I, I do love having new toys constantly. Like, so I, in a weird way, love and hate our, our spoiler pace here. So I, I think Wizards I, need I to like take, to, uh, take a book out of like modern game development where they slow things down. They intentionally gate things to keep it casual, right? Like all MMOs now, like time gate, 
uh, your content so that you play at like a nice sustainable pace. You don't burn yourself out. Uh, there's content that's like evenly distributed uh, rather than just like piling it on so that you have to grind like 80 hours the first week uh, because that like makes you not want to play, right? Like for some people like, yeah, I'm bored. I want to grind 80 hours. But for other people, they're like, well, if I don't grind 80 hours, I'm going to fall behind. So I might as well just not play. Uh, and a lot of games are going towards that model now. So I hope Wizards catches on. Like, we're getting old, man. Like, I don't have time <laughs> to, like, look at spoilers for eight hours a day and, like, build decks, right? Like, I don't have time to keep up with this, right? And if I'm too far removed from it, I'm not going to bother, right? So I don't bother with Legacy now because by the time I get up to speed, it's already changed again. So it's, like, too much for me, right? I can only keep up with, like, Commander, Standard, Modern. Like, that's it, right? I'm, like getting too old for this it's it's too old <laughs> is my my concern would be more so can they sustain this because if i get conditioned to this high speed environment of constant flow of cards content all that stuff can you maintain this because if you cannot then it becomes problematic much like how we were originally used to the whole four sets you know the old release schedule right like ah four times a year i get a new set nice and easy now i let's say i get used to this new set every 30 minutes then i am expecting that and can wizards do that on a small like with a i don't know how big their team is for this i hope it gets bigger and they like hire more people because you're going to have to sustain this yeah, it reminds me of uh, when they were doing like the embedded views for tournaments. And one of the things we talked about is like, uh, yeah, I mean, that that looks great. Why it's happening while you're embedding the tournaments in your arena that has one hundred and fifty thousand people, according to Twitch stats. That's great. But you got to keep doing it because when you stop doing it and your tournament has two thousand people, then the narrative is, is, oh, my God, how do you go from one hundred and fifty thousand people to two thousand people? What's the matter with your game? And I feel like the same thing could happen if all of a sudden you went back to four sets a year. People are going to be like, wow, Magic must be doing horribly. Like, why did they cut back so much on their product line? Uh, so I think that is a concern. My other concern would be, like, can they keep the quality up with this heavy of a workload? And I think, as you mentioned, Grim, like, maybe it's going to be essential to just, like, get more people in the building and more people to help with this. Because if you have the, the same number of people, it's accelerated so quickly. If you have roughly the same number of people that were making magic like two or three years ago when there were like 10 sets a year now making you know 30 40 sets a year counting all the secret layers and stuff that's a, a huge increase in the workload so that's my other concern would just be like can you keep the quality up are we going to see more broken cards are we going to see more like you know misprints erratas typos like that kind of stuff that magic has traditionally been pretty good about but are we going to see the quality decline just because you know because of how much work people are putting into this and how much uh, they're trying to keep up with so my biggest cool. question is can my wallet keep up with it also true <laughs> right like uh, have we even started collecting jumpstart horizons right and you know have we are we done with afr like have your afr pre-orders even come in right before you're already like trying to buy like midnight hunt stuff right and you know there's gonna be some commander decks coming up with midnight hunt obviously as well and then of course there'll be a secret layer in time for christmas so yeah yeah 
Huh. Well, on that note, we went uh, we went a little bit long. Do we have any fish mail questions today? Maybe we can sneak in like one or two, Richard. All uh, right. Fish mail us. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions <clears throat> on air. Uh, accordingly, 23, have you guys ever gone back to early Commander Clash or podcast from time to time to see how your views have changed? Views of Commander. <laughs> Uh, that would actually be a good idea. Uh, I, I think that would be pretty interesting. I know I was writing an article the other day, and it referenced one of the first Budget Magic episodes, and I wanted to link it. So I incidentally like watched one of the very first videos that uh, that I'd ever made, and yeah, I feel like uh, hopefully I've improved a lot over the years. Like the sound is different, and it, it was very, very weird. So going back to watch old stuff is weird, but it would be interesting to see how some of our like views on the format have developed over time. That could be a cool, a cool like stats video or something. Yeah, they they definitely changed. Like I, I know like cards that I used to put in decks, I would no longer put in decks today, even though like other people would still put them in. Like they're still meta relevant. Um, even like, I, I know a lot of people like like to discuss power levels and play groups and commander. Like everyone is at a different point in their commander career when you're playing with them. Like if you've just started playing, like lab man may be like super cool to you. You'd be like, yeah, I drew my deck and I lab man or I thought his oracle. It's like the awesome, right? It's like so awesome, and you like try really hard to do it. But even playing for like five years, like oh no, not another lab man win. Like come on, dude, right? So like. People's views change as they play more and more magic. So I think it's just natural. And I think when you sit down and play with other people, just know that they're at a different place, right? Some people are super hardcore. They need to win. They need to prove to themselves. They, you know, they have what it takes. Some people are like retired. They're like, whatever, I'm just here to play birds. Uh, so yeah, I, I think everyone's views change a lot. But it'll be interesting to go back and take a look and explicitly list things out like, Dude, we used to play rampant growth, <laughs> solemns, and all those other staples that we don't play anymore. Uh, okay, one last question. Since the new digital cards, oh, the big large, since new digital cards would be silver-bordered in paper, what silver-bordered cards would you want to see in Arena? Oh. Should they bring silver-bordered <laughs> to Arena now that you have like digital-only things and you basically have Head of Urza going on? What cards do we want? Yes. Bring bring it to Arena, although I think I would still prefer it to stay silver bordered. I, I don't know if I would want, you know, just all of like unhinged and unglued to be legal for tournament play. Uh cheese stands alone, maybe. That would be I'm trying to think. I don't know silver bordered cards that well, but those are the cards I know least about. Uh cheese standalone is a sweet one. Maybe maybe Rock Lobster, just because of the the song and the meme. There are some funny ones. The only cards I know are the rock, paper, scissors cards that people use yeah. for rock, paper, scissors. I don't know any other <laughs> silver bordered cards, but I think it would be fun. The question is, would people find it fun? Is it worth their time to program these cards and make like a one-off format? Um, but that'd be, it'd be cool because we, we, we can never play these cards digitally ever before, right? Moto never supported them. Uh, so it'd be cool to have a digital place to play, play the silver bordered cards. All right, yeah, we've gone long. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions this week. Uh, if you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. 
And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 341 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out.